0: Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on
1: ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Put my name up the
0: The best series in round one took all seven games, and when it came down to it, not only did it take all seven games... It took a historic performance by a legend to get the win. And in the process, all of us are stepping back saying, holy cow. Even if we thought we were giving Steph Curry all the love he deserves, maybe he deserves even more. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. And it was a performance 50 points in game seven now you guys know if you've listened to this show for two seconds that i owe this show some hot wings uh jay Timms is coming to this because we disagreed i picked the the i picked sacramento to win in seven harry picked the warriors to win in seven and i'll be honest harry first half I felt pretty – I was feeling pretty positive. I wasn't, I wasn't talking my talk, but I was feeling pretty positive. I was sitting there thinking, this going to work out just fine. There's no way Steph can keep doing this for the entire game. And it felt like one of those Herculean move boys, get out the way. I am taking this team to the next round of the playoffs. Steph Curry just came in and cliniced the Kings to get the win for Golden State.
1: Yeah, by, by all means necessary, um, the greatness of of Steph Curry – showed up and showed out, when his team needed him the most, he was the guy that anchored the Golden State Warriors from start to finish. And, Fitz, I'll go ahead and tell you this. If you was to tell me before this game that Klay Thompson would have shot four for 19 from the field, two for for 10 from the three-point line, also Andrew Wiggins five for 17 from the field, one for three from the three-point line, Jordan Poole three for nine field goals, two for six from the three-point line, and told me the Warriors would have won – I would have told you there's no chance in hell. But you want to know who did believe? That man they call Chef Curry that plays for the Warriors. Warriors. Mm Mm-hmm. Clearly he let his team know something before the game. Follow me. I got you. Let me know you on board. I got you. Well, he had more than just him. He had the coaching staff. He had Warrior Nation. He had himself, he had his teammates, and everybody else that loves the Golden State Warriors, he had their backs. And it was the one of the greatest perform- – well, the greatest Game 7 performance that we've ever seen in history. Nothing that LeBron has ever done, nothing that Shaquille O'Neal has ever done, Michael. nothing that Michael Jordan okay. has ever done, nothing that any of these greatest players that we've always watched and known to play the game of basketball in the NBA – have had 50 points in a Game 7 game. But Steph Curry knew it was going to take that, and he had his teammates' backs. When his teammates, everybody else on that roster except Kayvon Looney, didn't have his
0: back yesterday. I mean, you're totally right. Like, your GOAT didn't do this. My GOAT hasn't done this. And according to The Athletic, this is uh, really kind of amazing. There was like a private team, uh, players only talk. Curry told the team that he believed in him. They had it enough to win. He asked for them to trust him. He assured he could deliver the victory. And he told everybody, buy in. Put all your feelings aside. Which sources, with knowledge of the locker room, said was a, a message directed at Poole, uh, Kaminga, other guys that might have been unhappy with playing time and their role. And all I kept thinking about last night, saying role, is that you can feel one guy. Like, I, I can't say, I know we're going to spend all day talking about Steph Curry, rightfully damn so, with the game he just had. But Kevon Looney, who you mentioned a second ago, oh, you want to talk about a guy that walked on the court and knew his role, knew what he was going to be asked to deliver, and did it? Like, there was a dominance from Kevon Looney on the boards that just showed that buy-in, right? Like, uh, what I felt was an entire Warriors team that was just looking at Steph saying, hey, man, as long as, like, when you walk into gym, you're playing pickup basketball, and you know you got the best guy on the floor, you're like, just get him the ball, let him save us through this. That's what happened over and over. Some of those shots were circus shots. You don't make those shots, but Steph made them over and over again last night.
1: Well, let me, let me touch on Kevon Looney for a little bit. And this is a lesson to all parents who have kids that play sports. Allow your kids to understand what their role is on their – on their whatever sport they play on their team. Don't go in there trying to talk to the coach because your son or your daughter might not be playing this amount of time. Tell them to understand their role, embrace their role, and maybe more playing time will come. Maybe better things will come. Kayvon Looney understands his role 1,000 percent, fits. 21 rebounds, 11 points, 4 assists. Time and time again, the Warriors' offensive rebounding was phenomenal yesterday. They had 18 offensive rebounds. Mm. 13 came in the third quarter alone. 13 fits came in the third quarter alone. But it's Kayvon Looney who understand that he's not going to shoot the ball. He's not going to get shots. And most of his shots are going to come by putbacks or, you know, close to the rim. Understanding what your job is and your role being defined. And if your kid doesn't know their role, tell them to go ask their coach. So that coach can define it for him. Kayvon Lully, man, major shout, shout out to you. Because that three NBA championship pedigree that you have, it showed up in this series. And when the Warriors needed you the most, you came through for
0: them. It's Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. You mentioned the experience. And, you know, I was feeling myself a little bit uh, when this went to Game 7 because as we left there last week, I said, hey, I'm not worried about it. This Kings team seems to be unimpacted by any of these moments that should be too big for them. They were in, in Golden State. They handled that moment fine. And in the first half, they were taking blow to blow. You mentioned the third quarter. It was the third quarter where I didn't feel the Kings shrink necessarily. I don't want it to be compartmentalized that way at all. I felt the Warriors find another gear that you just didn't even know they had, right? Like, there was this moment in the third quarter where they were finding separation, and it felt like it was taking everything Sacramento had to just stay in the game in the third quarter. That was what was stunning to me, is that there was this pull-away that was happening from the Warriors where they just found the next gear. A lot of that for Steph and Steve Kerr, Warriors head coach, reminded us all afterwards that maybe we take Steph for granted. Uh, He doesn't surprise me we all take him for granted because he's brilliant night after night. And we've been watching this for 10 years and we just, you know, you just have to <clears throat> remind yourself every once in a while, big picture. this is one of the great players in the history of the game. Um, but that's how I felt, um, you know, back when I, in my playing days, you know, with, uh, Michael Jordan, you just, you'd see it night after night. So you just took it for granted. So that's how it is with Steph. You just, it's over and over and over again. And, um, The uh, the resilience and the um, the work that goes into that and the focus um, it's incredible to watch. Harry's over Mm. here making faces Mm -hmm. because because I love
1: that Steve Kerr because no one would know greatness more so than Steve Kerr. He's been with Pop. He's been in the San uh, San Antonio Spurs organization. You know he played with Michael Jordan. He's here now with the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry and Clay and, and company. So he knows it when he sees it. He, he knows when a player has that it factor that, you know, you just can't stop unless you just get the ball out of his hands. But even then, now you're putting yourself in a, a compromisable situation because now you're allowing other guys who are shooters on this team to shoot wide open shots. But Fitz, the Warriors did something yesterday that they haven't done, done in a long time. They barely turned the damn ball over. They only had seven of those seven turnovers. The hustle plays – they got just about every 50-50 ball. They got the offensive rebounds. And you, you even heard yesterday Mike Brown, the, the Kings head coach, in a timeout when he was mic'd up saying, that, guys, how bad do we want it? Right now they want it more than us. We're, they're getting all the 50-50 balls. They're getting all the offensive rebounds. We got time, though. But do, how bad do you want it? In so many words, that's what he was saying. And for, for Golden State to go out and just, you know, well, I'll say Steph Curry to put on the performance that he put on yesterday, it, it, he wasn't going to do anything to let his team win. But I will say this. The Sacramento Kings shot 25% from the three point line. You know, they only had one player with 20 uh, points or more. Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes, whoa, Lord Fitz, let me get on them for a second. Three for 13 combined shooting in that game for 11 points combined. These are two people that you have in the starting lineup that were three for 13 combined. And we already know about Harrison Barnes. That's why I don't want De'Aaron Fox to pass the basketball to him at the end of a damn game. Shoot it yourself, D. Fox. I'd rather take my chances with you. We know about Harrison Barnes uh, when they was up 3-1 in games 5, 6, and 7, not showing up for the Golden State Warriors. He just happened not to show up again in this series as well.
0: Well, you're right that none of the ancillary people showed up. And the funny thing is that while there are people with Golden State that didn't have a great night, Curry was so unbelievable that he set a standard nobody could match. Like the biggest star came out in the biggest ways. And I, I have to stress this because last week when uh, the Bucks went down to Miami and, and we talked a lot about Jimmy Butler, we were sitting here saying, How did you not adjust? Uh, Sacramento was adjusting every way they possibly could. They just could, yeah. they were throwing everything at Steph Curry. And Steph Curry was like, Oh, cool. I've seen that. I've been there. I've done that. No worries. I, that it was. It was a work-of-art performance from one of the best players we've ever seen. So now we get Curry versus LeBron again. We've seen it four times with the title at stake. Now we get it in the second round. There's still something massive on the line here. We'll tell you about it. Plus, yes, it is that time I need to eat some crow. We'll explain why next week. Vince and Harry on ESP Radio and the ESPN app.
1: Curry's still on the three-point line. Steps away, shoots the three and knocks it home. 43 points in game seven for Steph Curry. Curry scores on the lay-in. 50-point game seven for Steph Curry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The Warriors advance, a decisive Game 7 win, and bring on the Lakers in Round 2. It'll be a tough series, but that's what you expect as you move forward in the playoffs. But we're going up against a very good team. Played them a couple times, I think since the trade, and they look extremely different. We got a young ball club with not much experience in the postseason.
2: So as hard as this series felt and hard as this series was, it gets even harder when you move a level up. And it gets harder and harder, so they understood that and they'll be ready for it.
0: It might only be the second round, but it's already going to play out to be one of the matchup of the ages type moments, as we now know we will get the Warriors taking on the Lakers in the second round of the NBA playoffs, which means a ton of excitement, and in my situation, a whole heap help and helping a crow to eat. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Series XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, also on your smart speakers, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Y'all know this at this point. I went on first take, and I said that uh, clearly nobody would contend with the Bucks in the East. So that's a little bit of crow, like just like a little side, side bit of crow. And then I said uh, Sacramento would beat the Warriors. So that's just a little bit more helping. But really, the main take that everybody is on me about is that I said we were talking about a Lakers team that didn't belong, and they wouldn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Well, uh, that turned out to not be true over the weekend, as they absolutely <laughs> kicked the snot out of the Memphis Grizzlies when Memphis had everything on the line in L.A. Memphis just flat out didn't show up. The Lakers came out and reminded them who was daddy and who wasn't in that situation, and the Lakers get the big first-round win over Memphis. So first and foremost, Harry, like, we both have roots in the South. Do you think I deep-fry crow? Because if you deep-fry anything, it tastes better. I feel like if I deep-fry crow, that's going to that, be pretty good, right? we are going to fry thing. <laughs>
1: Go ahead and fry that thing on up, baby. Fry it on up. Uh, but, I, I, and also, I'm sorry for your losses, uh, uh, Fitz.
0: Are you? Are you? Because I feel like the whole no, group, I'm not. like we have a group text <laughs> that's going out there, like not a single man. You know what? You're probably getting beat up on Twitter, buddy. I love. No, 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 none of that from anybody. Everybody's like. And by the way, the 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 as I mentioned earlier, the Kings game gonna cost me a little bit of money because mm. I'm gonna have to order some J-Tims for everybody. What? Am I bringing those in this week? Is that the? Is that the? No, 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 no. Am no, I no. waiting for you to be there?
1: Yeah. There you go. You wait for your co-host to get there since your co-host is the person that you made the bet with. You bet against the Warriors when your co-host went with the Warriors. Your co-host went with Steph Curry. You went against Steph Curry. You believe in De'Aaron Fox more so than you believe in Steph, who revolutionized the
0: game of basketball. I just... I just don't want the guys to have to wait a long time, and I didn't know when you were going to be in Bristol again. So, you know, I, I, okay. Uh, I, I'll, You know what? I, I've got a couple. I love food TV. You all know that. Like, I watch food TV all the time. I've got a couple of food TV chefs that I'll just DM. Like, I'll, I'll hit them up and say, hey, uh, tell me how to prepare some crow. Maybe I'll even eat it on Instagram. We'll just see. I don't know if you can buy crow out there. I don't know how that works. Uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Somebody hit me up with a good quality crow recipe or... Like I said, I might just, you know, take it to some place in the South and get it deep fried. Uh, All of that leads us to a LeBron versus Steph matchup, and I don't think anybody, like the league offices, our bosses, I think everybody right now is doing little cartwheels up and down the streets because we all know that LeBron versus Steph is going to be an attention grabber. In a world where we don't necessarily give the NBA regular season a lot of love, these playoffs have been getting a ton of it, and this matchup, Harry, is going to be one that feels like as much as you and I don't do a lot of the who's the greatest of all time conversation, there is some shifting that happens depending on what goes on with Steph.
1: Well, uh, 100%. And you look at LeBron James, and I'll start with him first. He's a guy that the I don't think could be duplicated because of his size, his strength, and what he's meant to the game of basketball. Uh, since he was in high school, uh, he came into the league in 2003, but since 2000, since he was ninth grade year in high school, he has been under the microscope and viewed as the chosen one. And he has been everything and more throughout his 20-year career to the point to where he's playing at a high level right now and has his team advancing to the second round and possibly trying to get to the you know, Western Conference Finals. You look at a guy in Steph Curry who revolutionized the game, who's doing it at the size of six-two, but against LeBron James in meaningful playoff series, He's 3-1, and one, winning three NBA championships, was up 3-1 in another one uh, before Draymond Green got suspended. Uh, Harrison Barnes went missing. LeBron James put on an unbelievable performance. We all remember the block that he had on Andre Iguodala uh, to, to help galvanize the Cleveland Cavaliers to come back and win that series and win that championship. So when I look at the two guys head-to-head, let's talk about Mount Rushmore for a minute, Fitz. On my Mount Rushmore right now, you have MJ – you have LeBron James, you have Magic Johnson, and you have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. If Steph Curry beats LeBron James in this playoff series and goes on to win his fifth NBA championship, where's my phone? We need to make some phone calls because I think Mount Rushmore needs to be revisited and there's more conversations that need to be had because of it. I don't- When you look at it. A- Go, no, ahead. go
0: ahead. go ahead. I, I I hear you, but I can't, like, in order to put somebody on Mount Rushmore, i got to take somebody off. And can I just be, like, ever the professional analyst here when I say that I, it feels icky taking either? Because let's just be honest. We're not taking Michael Jordan off. We're not taking LeBron off, right? Like, we know those two no. are stuff. So now I either got to take off Kareem. That's not happening. Or I got to take off Magic. Taking off Magic for Steph, I, that makes me feel kind of icky. And, and then, like, I know some. Me too.
1: Me too. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. it, it makes me feel that way, too, because— you know, Magic Johnson, you know, revolutionized the game as well. Being that 6'8", 6'9", point guard that can pass and have the flash. And and he won five NBA championships. And I love everything about Magic Johnson, but here's another thing. There's another guy that's on Mount Rushmore named Kareem Abdul-Jabbar that he won those five NBA championships with as well. Oh. And I'm not, not, I'm not knocking Magic in any way, but when you look at a guy like Steph Curry, who's 6'2". See, everybody I mentioned on Mount Rushmore, 6'6", 6'7", and over. 6'6", or 6'7", and over, Fitz. When you look at Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Steph Curry is 6'2", man. 6'2". What we see from uh, Caitlin Clark right now, the way she's shooting the basketball, you want to know who influenced that? Steph Curry. You want to know who gave Trey Young an opportunity in this NBA, in the National Basketball Association? Steph Curry. Because but, he he does things that 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 no one could do on a basketball court. I do at, at, at the six two size.
0: I do agree with you that a championship win would only can at his age the way he's playing right now. I think that people would would have a little bit more respect as as we like to say on the show. Uh, behind Steph, not that there has been lack of it, but I think it does have a little bit more like gravitas to it, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Kobe's still in this conversation for me somewhere too, but uh, it is interesting because I, I I think everybody's so, and you and I've talked about this a lot, but I think everybody's so dug in on LeBron, MJ, where they stand in the GOAT status that frankly, I think, you know, realistically right now, LeBron could never lose another game in his career for the next four years and we'd still be like, ah, Jordan's a go-. like, you're either team LeBron or you're team MJ. There's very little oh, yeah. like wiggle in the middle of it. I still think there's wiggle around Steph. And then there's just this part of it, and I know it shouldn't play a part of it, but likability matters when we start talking about some of this. People... Just they love Steph, right? Like, and so there is this moment of you love watching him play. Ever, if you have ever played any pickup basketball, we all know that. Like to this day, whenever you sh- shoot a, a at a trash can, somebody screams Kobe. I feel like to this day, for the rest of time, when you take a weird shot in a gym from like forty feet out, you're just gonna be like Steph every time, right? Like that's just it's changed the way everybody feels. They see a little bit of themselves and Steph. That's part of why I think we're looking at all of this and saying, man, what well, could happen if he gets another? One.
1: Well, that's that's what I'm saying, though, because when you, when we go back to the Mount Rushmore, you know, LeBron James is on there. But in four meaningful playoff series, if Steph Curry wins, this one, it would be four and one versus LeBron James, who is on Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Like, think about that. Well, and, and, and three of the three of Steph's NBA championships came against LeBron James. Who's on Mount Rushmore?
0: There's there's also I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves. This is one series at a time. But in your in, in the mind of what we're talking about here, if he wins a title, you'd be talking about the chance that he would have to go through, let's say, LeBron, and then let's say, depending on how it plays out, K D, and then all of a sudden, let's say you're going through the Celtics or something along the way, mm-hmm. or Embiid along the way. All of a sudden, or Jimmy Butler or the Heat the way they're playing along the way. Mm-hmm. All I mean the legend the legend is only going to grow more and more. Well, I, I've got plenty to say to get off my chest about Memphis. We'll do that a little later. But wait a minute, uh,
1: but wait a minute. Let me say this really quick now. I'm not just saying we're just taking off Magic Johnson right now. I'm just saying we got to revisit the conversation. Make a phone call. That's it. we got to make a phone call, have a meeting, revisit the
0: conversation, Fitz. By the way, do do you have Magic's number? Like maybe we call Magic? Maybe we just hang out with Magic in L.A.? I mean, you're Harry Douglas. One step at a time. All right. In five years, the best quarterback from this year's NFL draft will be Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
2: select Bryce Young
1: quarterback Alabama the Carolina Panthers now have the best quarterback in the NFC South so now it's up to that team to make sure that they don't screw it up
0: the draft has come to a close which means it's time to figure out some superlatives we're going to do that now on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. want to take a second and thank all of you that took the time to watch us on our digital broadcast on Friday, Thursday, and Friday nights. Really incredible opportunity, and thanks to everybody that put that show together. Also, thanks to all of you that listened to ESPN Radio throughout the course of the draft. Great work, and shout-out to our buddy Matt Miller, friend of the show, made his debut on that broadcast on the day three and crushed it, so uh, already confirmed he'll be back next year for day three. Big draft news all the way around, so let's do some superlatives. Producer Evan, you're going to give us a, a superlative, and we will come up with an answer to the question, Correct.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to start negative because I'm a negative person. Uh, who was the biggest reach in the first round, Harry Douglas?
1: For me, it was Luca Van Ness, um of the Green Bay Packers. I just thought they could have got him at a later time or moved back um, if they if they wanted to take him. I just thought they had so many other needs. Now, this was before I knew everything they were drafting beforehand in the draft because they got some some good people, some offensive weapons. But I thought at that time – You had all receivers and all the tight ends on the board, and you, you know, probably could have got one of those guys to surround Jordan Love um, with more quality players. I actually more quality.
0: I really like that answer, but I don't want to take the same answer as you, so I'll just go Will McDonald by the Jets. Just simply to troll Evan. That's the only reason. Couldn't get yourself an offensive lineman to help there, Evan. Could you? I'm just playing with you. I just <laughs> thought I'd get you worked up. Uh, the, my, my real answer, Jack Campbell, uh, Iowa t- linebacker by the Lions. I really like the pick. It's just at 18, it felt like it was higher than most of us expected. I thought, frankly, this is a boring take for most of you. I thought most of you listening... I thought the picks in the first round all kind of made sense. I thought everybody did a really good job in the first round this year. Look at me, a, a beacon of light in a dark, dark world. Man, a boy.
2: Uh, on the Jets a little bit, here's a free idea. Every time Will McDonald has a sack at a game, just play Will McDonald had a sack. E-I-E-I-O.
0: You did E-I-E-I-O. get my favorite name. Yeah, You guys got my, one of my favorite names to read in all of the year, Israel Abanaconda. Mm-hmm. Because every time I got to read the highlight, I got to say, Abanaconda, don't want none unless you got buns on. Oh. <laughs> Baby got back.
2: My, my line was Israel gonna take the Jets to the promised land.
0: No, that's that's also. That's good. Wow. Yeah. oh man. Baby got back.
2: Um, <laughs> in five years. Wow. In five years, Harry, the best quarterback from this draft will be.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go out on, on a limb with this one. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Anthony Richardson. Um, I really love with his head coach Shane Steichen presents to the game of football four young. Quarterbacks coming into the National Football League. He had Justin Herbert. He had um, also Jalen Hurts. But the offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter, had Trevor Lawrence Jim the last Bob. few years. So I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson because the upside, he has the highest upside of everybody in this draft. And the r- quarterback run game is something that he can really lean on early on when he's trying to figure a lot of other things out.
0: I love that answer, but again, I got to be a bit of a contrarian here. So I'll take something else. By the way, Sir Mix a lot. Maybe we get him on the show at some point. Oh, uh, CJ <laughs> Stroud. I'm going to take CJ Stroud. Uh, To the Texans. I thought the Texans in the first round hit a massive home run. Don't talk to me at all about what they gave up for the future. I don't give a damn. I think they are desperately trying to actually rebuild the culture of what is happening with the Texans organizationally, and they played chess with this whole process by taking CJ Stroud at two. They uh, undercut the trade value at three. It was a brilliant move, and CJ Stroud's going to go somewhere where I think they're going to give him the time to develop. So I I really like CJ Stroud with Houston.
2: The offensive rookie of the year. In twenty twenty three,
0: will be Fitz Bijan Robinson, but like I don't even think it's close. Like I think Bijan Robinson went to a spot where, frankly, I we've spent a lot of time on this show uh, making comments about whether Desmond Ritter is, is the future for the the Falcons. We've trolled Harry a bunch on that. I think the weapons are so damn good around him right now that I'm not sure he has to be anything other than a guy that quickly gets the ball to Bijan and any of the other weapons. I I think Bijan's going to come in and be a superstar from day one.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go Bijan Robinson um, as well. You look at Arthur Smith; he loves to run the football. When you have a running back like Bijan who can do it in the run game, who can do it in the pass game, who can do it in blocking protection, if you want to put him on punt returns and kick returns, you probably could. But that's probably gonna go back to Cordell Patterson, uh, kick return wise. I just think you have so many avenues for Bijan to be successful. You have a young quarterback; you're gonna to want to feed the stud. I just think the makeup of this offense and the, what they like to do. Which is run the football and then get the running backs the ball in the pass game as well. I think it's going to be very beneficial for Bijan.
2: How about the defensive rookie fits?
0: Oh man, the defensive rookie of the year, that. I mean, I'm not going to – everybody thinks I'm going to take uh, Tyree. I'm not going to take Ty- Tyree. Um, Devin Witherspoon, Seattle, Ooh. I think he goes into a great spot. Uh, uh, that's. I thought he was the best defensive player other than Will Anderson coming into this thing, and I think he went to a great spot with Seattle. He's going to make so many plays out of the gate. I really like him.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Devin Witherspoon as well. Ooh. You look at the Seattle Seahawks, right? They now have the Legion of Boom 2.0. When you look at Tariq Woolen, their, their rookie corner who was tremendous last season, Jamal Adams coming back off an of injury, also Quadre Diggs. Now you add Devon Witherspoon to that mix. He can play man coverage. He's physical. He can play zone coverage. He uh, understands route combinations. And I think he's just going to feed off the energy. And one of the things I love about Pete Carroll, he allows his players to be themselves. So that's why they get the best out of those guys year in and year out.
2: Whose draft looks entirely different today than it did when we had the show on Friday, Harry?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions because we were basically trolling the Detroit Lions on where they took Jameer Gibbs and also Jack Campbell. You look at them now. I think they had probably the best draft. They was able to get Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, Hendon Hooker, Antone Green, play wide receiver at North Carolina. So really across the board, a solid, solid draft in my eyes for the Detroit Lions.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with that. There's no other answer. we, We started saying, what is Detroit doing? And by the end of it, even on our show, we were saying if you look at the names of who they picked, they got a bunch of guys that are going to be difference makers for them. So I I think it was absolutely a great draft by them.
2: All right, Harry thinks the Lions won the draft. Fitz, who won the draft for you?
0: Oh, uh, the I mean, obviously the no, I can't even do that. The <laughs> Eagles, the Eagles won the draft, uh, and and again, I'm not even sure that's that close in my mind. Jalen Carter, we're going to have to always remember context. There are reasons that Jalen Carter was selected at ninth. I still believe he went to maybe the one situation where no matter where he was selected, he is going to have the opportunity he, there to be insulated with teammates, people that know him, uh, teammates that he had that went through what he went through with Georgia, which I think is a huge thing, but also players that he went through, uh, that he lived with in the past, uh, they they hit a home run in this draft. Yet again, the Eagles are building in that way where the, the Patriots did it for years, the Steelers did it for years, where you saw a name come off the board and you're like, how the hell did they go there? That's what the Eagles are doing at this point. So, uh, kudos to Philadelphia. They needed to nail this draft with the Jalen Hurts uh, contract. I think they did. Fitz and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? Who isn't? <laughs> Go to progressive.com/careers and apply online today. So, given the fact that we like their drafts, will we see the Eagles, Lions in the NFC Championship game? Is it crazy to say? We'll answer the question next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
1: Brought to you by Wendy's three dollar breakfast deal. It's in Harry
0: the podcast.
2: With the ninth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Jalen Carter, defensive tackle,
0: Georgia. When he plays within that system and doesn't improvise, he's as good as he's ever seen up front, ever evaluated. Last year, he would have been arguably the number one overall pick. Told
2: them they got the best player in the draft, and you know, day one, when I get there, it's time to work and before they win the Super Bowl.
0: For the second consecutive year on the Monday after the draft, we're looking at the Philadelphia Eagles and saying yep, nailed it and it looks pretty simple to see that they've made their team better. The question is have they widened the gap in the NFC? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I'm just going to read you some names real quick, H.C. Jalen Carter picked ninth oh. overall. Again, we understand that there's some reasons why, but Jalen Carter picked ninth overall. Nolan Smith out of Georgia oh. picked 31st. Tyler Steen, huge offensive oh. tackle, taken out of Alabama in the third round. Sidney Brown, the hard-hitting safety out of Illinois in the third round. Keely Ringo, who some people thought were going to go was going to go in the first round, maybe second, goes at the top of the fourth round. And even I know this is a stretch, but hear me out. In the sixth round, Tanner McKee, the quarterback out of Stanford, that some people thought was going to be a fourth-round draft pick to draft for your backup quarterback. I feel like they nailed everything. If I'm looking at Philadelphia, I'm like, my God, they got day one impact players. They got some death players. They got the ability to come in and make uh, make the roster deeper. Like, this just felt like a home run for them. Fitz,
1: Howie Roseman, to me, was the best GM in the National Football League a season ago. Uh, I think he's going for it two years in a row now. Because when you look at what he did in this draft to add players to go along with the guys that he already had – I don't know a lot of people was going to talk about the coordinators for, for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're going to be just fine. But when you lose Javon Hargrave to the San Francisco 49ers, but then the number one player in this draft, you can get at number nine and Jalen Carter. So now you can plug that player in on top of having Jordan Davis. And I get it. Him and the Kobe Dean didn't play that much last season. But now they do have a year of a NFL season under their belts. So I think they're going to be better in year two because they have to play. And the Eagles weren't worried about losing, you know, Kazir White, TJ Edwards to free agency because they drafted Nicole Dean, who who actually failed in the draft last year. Not as much as Jalen Carter failed this year, but went third round, was projected to be a first-round draft pick. They have in place, like, the the, the guys to replace the people that they lost. And then Keely Ringo – at what point people were talking about him being a first or second round draft pick? And Sidney Brown, who is the twin brother of Chase Brown, the phenomenal running back who was at uh, Illinois as well, well, he was just third in tackles for the Fighting Illini last year and led them in interceptions with six.
0: Six. <laughs> You think about that and you know Peter Schrager on NFL Network said that NFL executives around the league are getting annoyed with how much praise Howie Roseman (laughs) has been getting during the draft. I look at that and I laugh. I scoff at it. I'm like I don't know. Go out there and do better, be better. Like he's getting that praise because he's earned it. Now, I'm not saying he's the only team that's earned it. We we've been glory last segment, you were glorious in your praise Lions, for the Lions. The I mean
1: Seahawks. I like what the Texans did. Also, I like what the Arizona Cardinals have done. Uh they got a few players. They but draft capital, they have collected some draft capital for the next few years as well.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, go, going back to the Lions, Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, the tight end out of Iowa that most people project as a day one starter on any team. Brian Branch. Brian Branch, yeah. And, and the best then safety. They get themselves Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker has the opportunity. They got Hendon Hooker in the third round. So now they have the opportunity to slow and low Hendon Hooker, right, and figure out yep. if he can be the guy. Like, I, I think Detroit hit a home run. And right now, today, all we can look at is the players that we know by reputation that were added to teams. I think Detroit made a huge step forward. I think you're right. Seattle, I think Seattle made a huge step forward. I yes. think the Eagles made a huge step forward. The the only reason I think it's a real and fair question to ask if the Eagles widened the gap in the NFC is because most teams have San Francisco sort of nipping at their heels. San Francisco, like it or not, I mean, they spent a third-round draft pick on a kicker out of Michigan. Like, uh, uh, not that Jake Moody's not a very good kicker. It's just they didn't even have a pick until the third round. So they took Jair Brown, the safety out of Penn State, and then their second, third rounder, they took a kicker. Like, I don't think that that, like, narrows the gap to what the Eagles are doing.
1: Well, But but, but let me say this, though. I, th- I think the San Francisco 49ers, their team is so well constructed. Mm-hmm. And you look at a team who uh, – just look at the makeup of their team last year, right? A lot of their starters were third round, seventh round, undrafted free agents. Like, so they they hit on their picks. So – If they don't have a pick in the first or second round, it's not going to hurt this team. But also, they lost Robbie Gold, a a very meaningful kicker. So you bring in and you draft Jake Moody, a guy who won the 2021 Lou Groza Award, so he can be that difference maker if you need it. Right, Like Robbie Gould was. Remember Robbie Gould kicking that kick against the um, Green Bay Packers in the frozen Tundra that that allowed the San Francisco 49ers to go to the uh, NFC Championship game? So Mm -hmm. kickers are very meaningful, and I say that because I was a holder and I held field goals in college for Lou Groza award winner. So it's very pivotal to your team to have a guy that you can count on kicking the football.
0: Yeah, it just feels weird when you don't have – a third round is usually high for a kicker anyway – Uh, third round when you haven't had a lot of other picks is particularly high. But to to all of this conversation, if you look at what the Eagles have done, we knew they were going to lose a lot of players in free agency. It feels like they are doing the best that they can to restock the coverage quickly and efficiently with college players that have a great pedigree. We joked about the fact that they become University of Georgia North at this point. They also, the Eagles, (laughs) let's not forget, traded for DeAndre Swift, right? So – Across the board, the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl last year, uh, yes, for the losses they took, they managed to re-sign their quarterback, and they managed to add four players in the draft that we think could be difference-makers quickly, and DeAndre Swift. Like, that just... That, that feels like if you're the Eagles, you feel wildly confident right now that you are playing in an AFC-level spectrum, meaning you are putting together a Super Bowl-caliber football team in a conference that right now is far more wide open than the AFC is.
1: Now, Fitz, I said this on Get Up last week uh, or two weeks ago, whenever it was, that when they signed Jalen Hurts to his deal, the expectations for the Philadelphia Eagles was to be right back in the, in the Super Bowl game again, but not just there to participate, not saying that was their mindset, but to actually win it. The moves that they have made this offseason and also within this draft tells me that's their mindset as well. Now, the San Francisco 49ers are going to still be right there, right? And a lot of people are talking about the San Francisco 49ers in in their quarterback situation. Well, they've been able to, you know, still be in the mix of things without a quarterback and finding quarterbacks. And I think Sam Darnold, if he has to start the season, he's going to have better people around him more so than he's ever had in his career. But we also got to look at the last two seasons. The San Francisco 49ers haven't started good, but they finished strong. So I got them. Also, I'm going to say the Dallas Cowboys right underneath them and then the Lions after the Dallas Cowboys.
0: Yeah, and I think you make a fair point about you know when you're the 49ers, you get some benefit of the doubt because, frankly – you've been able to do a lot with a little year in and year out when it comes to the quarterback position specifically, right? Uh, At this point, you just look at the 49ers and say, hey, they're figuring it out every time, so who knows who their quarterback will be, but also, more importantly, who knows if it will even matter to the conversation of how good the 49ers could be. This is what we do after the draft, uh, but we're trying to have a little bit more nuance than just give you, you know, your favorite team an A or an F. It feels like that's hard to do right now in this situation. All right, Harry wants to revisit putting Steve, C- Stephen Curry on Mount Rushmore. We'll tell you why he still has a long runway to build that legacy next.